it's Samantha and Maria and we're the Clarity Co. Here to help the driven build their dreams. This podcast will help you gain clarity in your business, show up authentically and scale with confidence. Our community exists to support you holistically because you're more than just a brand. You're a whole person here to make an impact on the world. Let's do this. Well, hello and welcome to the Clarity Co. Community Podcast. I am Maria. And I'm Sam. And we're really excited today because we have a very special guest. It is our very first guest interview on our podcast. Um, And we are interviewing Courtney, who is very close. I'm sure if you guys follow Sam on any form of social media, you have seen Courtney (laughs) You have seen the rise of this star, and um, she is like the uh, perfect pupil of Sam's, and so I'm really excited because I know Courtney through seeing her on Sam's social media, but I'm excited to dive in and learn a lot more. Yes. I'm excited to share her story with you guys because I met Courtney when she was 18 years old. Um, she was a budding young entrepreneur and it just like, I was like, oh my gosh, a little me, I want it around forever. (laughs) Put her in your pocket. I was like, yes, I'm keeping this one forever. Mm -hmm. Um, we just like totally clicked the moment we met. Um, we actually met on a Facebook group called the rising tide society. And that is a free community for creatives that was started by Natalie Frank. Um, I don't know how active it is anymore, but during that time, what was that Courtney? Like 2016, maybe when Mm -hmm. were you 18? Yeah. It was right after you graduated high school. Yeah. 2016. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, way my age. So I am like your elderly grandma. I hear about you youngsters in your business. She makes me feel like an elderly grandma. And I I have told her a few times, I was like, you know, I was the young one before you came along. (laughs) So we actually met um, via this Facebook group and we decided to meet up for coffee because we were both in the same industry at the time or she was wanting to go into that industry at the time. Um, I was still in my job, but I had just launched my clothing line and that clothing line was called Hope and Humble. We, um, kind of matched up and had similar views on a lot of things. Hope and Humble was a give back, um, apparel line that was Christian based, but also was giving back to kids and families and foster youth and adoption. So, um, I think Courtney really loved the mission and we met for coffee and, um, quickly after she became my intern. And so she started hanging out at my job, which was actually a clothing. Um, it was an apparel, what they kind of called it was like apparel concierge. What we did was printed t-shirts from anywhere from like small little runs to huge celebrity things. We had started a few celebrity clothing lines and um, did some very, very large runs, but we were creating custom apparel and that was the industry she wanted to go into. So it was like the perfect internship for her right after high school. Um, she had started college and then, um, yeah, we kind of just stayed in touch. I went to her wedding. I chatted it up with her grandparents. Um, (laughs) 
we have done a lot of life together in the last few years. And um, as Maria said, Courtney is one of my very star students. Um, But most importantly, she's like my little sister and one of my very best friends. So I cannot wait to share her with you. Courtney, let's talk if you want to introduce them where you are now, and then we'll kind of go back to the beginning and tell your story uh, from there. Yeah, so I am currently in Texas, uh, from California, but living in Texas now. Um, And I am the founder of Declutter and Dwell and the Simplicity Society, which is my monthly membership designed for busy, overwhelmed moms who want to declutter their homes and declutter their lives with a community of women alongside them. Um, If you've decluttered before, you know that it can feel really daunting, and it's nice to have the support from people who feel like friends along the journey with you. Love it. So let's start from the beginning. So after you graduated high school, you kind of had this like little fire in your soul. So do you want to kind of tell us where you were at in your headspace right after high school? Yes. I knew that I wanted to start a business. I had always been very entrepreneurial, even as a child. I mean, there were probably five to 10 businesses that I started as a kid, you know, from lemonade stand to jewelry making, you know, to sitting outside in my house with a table of these homemade bracelets, you know, that I thought were going to sell. I I used to sell lemons. Yeah. I think we all, every single entrepreneur is like, they knew from a very young age that, that it was for them. Totally. So I knew I wanted to start a business, but I didn't know exactly what that looks like. So once we met and I started entering with you, I thought, well, I had done resale before. I had worked at a resale store um, for over, for about two years um, and I liked fashion. So I thought, well, maybe I will start my own t-shirt company. You know, And so we met and I entered with you, Sam, and I thought, this is it. <laughs> and then that kind of faded and I was in wedding planning mode, getting ready to get married. And as maybe not everybody, but I've heard a lot of people will plan their wedding and then they will walk away from it thinking, I'm going to be a wedding planner. (laughs) So I shadowed a local wedding planner in the area. So thankful that I did that because that night I came home and I told my husband, I said, Stephen, I'm not doing this. (laughs) This is not for me. Um, Which is something I advise. If you want to get into an industry, do it first, like dip a toe in, you know, see yep. if you're actually going to like it because the idea of it sounds great. And that's totally what I held on to for so long. I, you know, romanticized this idea of this is it. And once I actually tried it out, I realized, no, this is not it. So after that, Stephen and I were just moving into an RV. We downsized from our 800 square foot apartment, which is still very small, but into an even smaller space um, and embarked on the journey of tiny living, which was a blast. And um, gosh, during that first month, I started to think, okay, well, if it's not wedding planning, then what is it going to be? And I knew it still was going to be some kind of a business. And so I thought, well, what about organizing? Because I started to think about what are the things that I'm naturally good at? And I thought, well, I've always been kind of a, you know, a tidy person. So what about professional organizing? That was what came to mind. And so I started to do some research online, um, looking into like what professional organizers do. And 
once I started to research, I realized, wait a minute, I don't want to organize. I actually want to help people get rid of the stuff, not just put their stuff in pretty looking baskets and bins that are just going to be dumped out by their three-year-old, you know, five minutes later. So that was kind of the turning point. I think I want to do, you know, more decluttering. And that there were people doing it, but it wasn't as... I don't know. I wasn't as familiar with it. Professional organizing was kind of the main, you know, service that you would think of. So anyway, I thought, well, I'm just going to do it. Um, and started Declutter and Dwell about two years ago. And that's really where that all began. Yeah. So I want to know what uniquely qualifies you to be a decluttering expert, because you absolutely are. And you come from this really interesting place because you're not a mom, which are what most like 98% of your audience are moms. So can you tell us a little bit about that? Yes. So I worked as a nanny for over five years and that was a job that I chose because I knew it was flexible. You know, I'm, I'm the oldest out of all of my siblings, my cousins. So I have that, you know, I'm, I've always been very nurturing and have loved just taking care of kids. I have that kind of natural caregiver role. So that was just kind of an easy the easy option for me. And it was something that I enjoyed and did for years. And while I was nannying, I also had the flexibility to work on my business, you know, while the kids were napping or whatever, which was really nice too. But while doing that and being in, I mean, and I had worked with, gosh, I can't even tell you how many, you know, homes and families I've worked with. I got to see an inside look into what it looked like for these moms, you know, these families um, to, be, you know, a mom with kids, a working mom, and to have a household to run and how much of a burden that was for most of them because of how much stuff they have. So that really gave me the insight because as Sam said, I'm not a mom yet. So many, you know, people will message me and say, you just get it. How is that? You know, where people will be like, Hey mama, cause they just assume that I am because of that insight because of the work that I did. So kind of with the it's a combination between the nannying and getting to see inside of these homes and I mean, help them run their home. Like I realized too, you know, while I was there working, yeah, it was a job, but I was doing tasks that I was thinking, I like, I know that there's a way that I don't have to be doing this right now, you know, or like I, I can make this easier. Like I shouldn't have to be, you know, spending an hour cleaning up after these kids or whatever. So I kind of saw like the, I don't know, missing piece maybe, so to speak. Um, so with that and then living tiny and, you know, experiencing the freedom of not having stuff on my own, that's really where um, I think it kind of came into play. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I feel like you have this really unique perspective where you can have total like immersive empathy for these women because you have... you you've been there in a way where you've been in their home and you had to physically deal with their clutter and all the other burdens that were on their plate. They, I mean, you were the help they hired to alleviate this, right? And you were like, well, you actually need this. And yeah. this will not only make your job easier, but also my job easier kind of thing, right? And so you see how it affects the kids and you see how it affects the moms and you see how it affects you as the nanny. And like, you have this really interesting third party perspective, but also super immersive. So, um, I, I just love that for your, for your audience, because I think, um, somebody teaching it from a, a first person point of view perspective, will just have a little bit more emotion attached to it. And while you respect the emotion, you can also, you know, 
go from the other side and say, well, this is actually how it's affecting the rest of your life and not just like your heartstrings. Right. So there, I think there's just so much, um, complexity to what you're able to offer people that people who already have kids and do decluttering, like that's harder for them. Right. Um, I also want you to tell us about your part two of tiny living. So tell us what happened in tiny living after you moved out of the RV, where did you move into? So while we were living in the RV, Stephen was building a tiny house for us, um, mm-hmm. which was <laughs> such an adventure. So we moved into this <laughs> tiny house. Uh, let's see. And we lived in that for a little under a year. Um, and so I was running the business, you know, that's, and that's really when that's about the time when I got real serious and it was like, okay, it's go time. Let's figure out what I want to do. I never wanted to offer in-home services. So it was always digital, which was nice. You know, I could work from the tiny house. Um, And yeah, that's when I joined EIA and jumped in and then got started a building membership. Yeah. So you've always had this mindset, it sounds like, like right out of high school where you wanted to be in control of your life and your time. And as, as a business owner, obviously we can all do that, but as a, if you would have chose the, like, let's say mainstream route of professional organizing, cause that's what, that's what we know, right? You know, we see the neat method on TV and we see these people going into the homes and these huge transformations that you have to do on your own. There's a lot less freedom in that than, you know, running a community, right? So now that you have the membership and when you got, when you got serious about it, about two years back, what do you think it was that made you decide I actually don't want to go into people's homes. I want a membership. Like, where did that come from? I wanted the flexibility to work from home. Mm-hmm. And I also wanted to impact as many lives as I can, as I could, right? right? And I knew going into homes, you know, that has a cap. That mm-hmm. might be 10 a week. That might be five. I mean, I don't know, but there's definitely a cap there. But with the membership, I can sit at my desk, you know, or be on the couch or be anywhere really and be posting resources in the group. You know, I can be connecting with people online. I can be in a class literally anywhere. And I get to serve as many women want to join, you know, versus 10 or 15 a week. I think another thing that's important to note is that Courtney's husband is in the army. Is it okay if I say that? (laughs) So when it comes to launching an in-person business versus an online business, that was something that was really important. And funny story, she decided on this before he ever joined the army, but it just worked out super, super well, because as she mentioned, she's from California, but they just got assigned to their first duty station in Texas. So this is something that has no location boundaries whatsoever. Women can join from all over the world if they'd like to, and it doesn't hold you to any place. Like imagine if you'd started this organizing business, which still probably would be a great learning experience, but you would have had to restart completely when you moved to Texas. And that's a whole different audience, right? I mean, we had talked about Courtney, um, finding a nanny job to replace her previous nanny job that she had in California. And she was like, oh my God, Sam, these nanny jobs in Texas do not pay anywhere near what they pay in San Diego. She's like, this isn't sustainable for me. Like I can't even do this work for this price. And I said, well, sister, we better pick up the pace then. (laughs) And she did it. She freaking lit another fire under her butt. Like she's so good at doing. And she created full-time income in her membership 
probably a little faster than she thought. Not faster than I thought. I knew, I knew she didn't know yet. (laughs) I was like, I have plans for you, my friend. (laughs) But, um, she, she was able to, um, take all the skills that she learned in nannying, create this membership and create full-time income out of it. And she's really just getting started, you know, like, this she's just about to close up year one. What is your one year anniversary of launch, Courtney? April first. April first. Not congratulations. <laughs> right. And so you were able essentially in about six months to replace your nanny income, right? Yeah. Yeah. So that is that's like the dream. She and all you did was nothing out of the ordinary. You don't have any like secret formula or anything like that. You just leaned into support. You followed the system and you got it done. And I mean, I'm sure there was a bit of urgency on your side because, you know, you guys were getting, you had to move, you had to make this happen. You didn't have a choice, but I think anyone stepping into a business, especially an online business like this, where you have to put yourself out there on the internet, it's not about creating relationships in your local community. It's about creating relationships in your global community. I think anyone, like the best advice I could give is to act like, even if you don't act like this is a make or break thing, you have to make this work. You don't have a choice, right? Now, if it's not the right thing for you, you need to find that out fast, fail fast, right? Recover fast and fail fast. Um, but you would not, you would never be able to fail fast or find that out fast if you didn't treat it like it was serious right out the gate, right? Yeah. Um, so I think that you just have such a unique perspective, Courtney. And I love your story. But now I want you to tell them how old you are. I'm 23. <laughs> <laughs> I wish you guys could see Maria's face. <laughs> oh. Trying to hide because, and this is, I guess, this is another like tiny part of my story, but I wanted people to take me seriously from day one. And when I started this, I mean, I was, you know, 20, 21, and I was like, people aren't gonna, you know, these moms, these, you know, seasoned moms with, you know, three kids or whatever, like they're not gonna listen to some young kid who's just coming in here, like, I know everything. And that's not what I did, but, you know, I thought people were gonna think differently of me. And so I didn't want to tell them my age. Right. And some people think she's even younger when they see her pictures and see her in person, but she is so incredibly mature. And I loved it so much when I met her because it just felt so much like my story. I had started in business right at 18 too. And when I say like, oh, I was always the young one until you came along. It's because I went through that same thing where it's like this teeter totter of how are people going to take me seriously versus, you know, do you even know anything? Like, how could you know anything? But I think that's, that's why this perspective that you have is so, so interesting. And obviously you have to have the, um, the fire inside you to get it done. And there's a certain level of maturity, but like age is just a number. You're never too young or too old to make this happen. Well, I would say too, that I don't think that ever goes away. No, the idea of like, they're not going to trust me because of, and you put it in there, your mm-hmm. age, mm-hmm. your X amount of years of experience, your yeah. whatever it is, because I feel that way, even though like, you know, I'm going to teach, um, in, well, probably by the time this 
airs, I'll have already taught it, but uh, about a topic that I have a lot of experience in, but I am like, oh, are people going to like believe me when I say it? Because I think there's always an under, like for whatever reason, an imposter syndrome that no matter how old you are or how much experience you have day one on set, as we used to say when I was working in, you know, all those years ago, um, you all are like, am I doing this right? And then you're like, wait, no, I am. I just have to do it once. And then I'm like, oh yeah, yeah. I remember how this goes. Mm -hmm. So, um, I just, I don't know. I, I think it's something that everybody, you just have to like do it. Right. Like I always would, I have, um, friends who I, I have a friend who has this amazing business idea and she's all worried about it. I'm like, you just got to do it. Just do it. What is the worst thing is going to happen? Like you said, just fail, fail real fast. <laughs> and I'm also a big believer that like, if you, if you're going to fail fast, do it and get it over with. Just like Courtney did. Like she found out pretty quick that she did not want to do, um, t-shirt printing. And then she found out pretty quick. She didn't want to do wedding planning. And then she found her thing. So you may have to go through a few things, mm -hmm. but if you don't take these things seriously and you quit when you shouldn't, that's when you do fail. So I'm a big believer in like, you only fail if you quit and people are so afraid of failure. And I'm like, no, 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 no. <laughs> we have to quote unquote fail or Change I guess not. Yeah. yeah. Failure is such a, yeah, it's such an interesting topic to me. And I think this Marie and I were having a conversation earlier today about um, like disappointments, expectations and failures. Right. And um, we both kind of agreed that it's all about the expectation you're setting for yourself. And if you set these lofty expectations, then you're always going to feel like a failure, right? And this is actually something Courtney and I talk about a lot in our one-on-one -on -one conversations. She's a student of mine. And um, I never tell her what my goals are for her until after she reaches them. She's never not reached them. Never once. <laughs> Um, we set, you know, kind of parameters and we say, okay, here's the minimum. And I say, okay, I have a goal for you. She never wants me to tell them to her. And I think that is very healthy, right? Because expectation can determine what our mood is and what our reaction is. And so you've got to, um, I always tell my students this too, what is set aside for you and what is meant for you is already set aside. It's your job to go and get it right. And you're going to determine your, your work level based on how close or how far you get from your personal goals. But no one can ever take away from you what's already meant for you. Only you can by not doing the work to show up, right? And so Courtney is such a good example of that. And um, she she is an Enneagram four wing three. Is that okay if I share that? <laughs> so traditionally, she'll have these huge, grandiose expectations of herself and then some hot, some tough emotions if she doesn't reach them. Like that's kind of the epiphany, epiphany, epitome <laughs> of an Enneagram four wing three, right? Like that's, that's the story. And speaking of epiphany, I feel like in the last year, Courtney, you've grown so much to where we set expectations, but we also give ourselves grace. And we know at the end of the day, I mean, we're all believers here and whatever you guys believe in God, universe, whatever it is, um, you, you've got conversations with that and you, you know, where you're supposed to be and you know what that, what God has allotted to you. Right. And you know what he's promised you. So you show up, you know that it's there and you you do the work expecting what he's promised, right? And whatever that is, you're here for it. So 
I feel like you have done such a good job in the past year, especially. And I, I want to give you so much credit for that because I think the hardest Enneagram number to overcome that is a four wing three, hmm. maybe also a three wing four, but those two numbers together, <laughs> rough. it's rough. It's an emotional expectation. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. So anyway, this has been super fun. Courtney, is there any other like tips that you want to share? Oh, you have a question. Yes. So as a mom, um, I want to know, like, and I don't think this will give away any of your like, you know, trade secrets, but I just want to know, like, what's like the number one, like the biggest thing that moms struggle with when they are, um, decluttering, like what, what would you say is like a very common thread? Mm. Well, there's two, there's two parts here. So like more of the mindset stuff, like what do they struggle with? Like actually getting to do it or like the actual stuff itself? Both. You can tell me both the number one of both. Mm, Okay. Well, mindset is definitely, I don't have time or Mm. well, I think it, maybe it disguises itself. So it's like, I'm so busy, you know, and I'm really overwhelmed. And so all of the, you know, with all the workload and all the mental load and everything that like, there's just no way that I could possibly have time to declutter. And I think just like we were talking about with the expectations in our mind, decluttering is like, I'm getting it all done now. You know, I'm do it's all or nothing. Like I'm decluttering my whole house in a day or I'm not doing it at all. Yeah. And what I teach is 15 minutes a day. Like, and it sounds so simple and it's like, that's it. But that's really it. Cause it's the consistency. I mean, same thing with starting a business. Like you just keep going day after day, a little bit after, you know, bit and you work up and you build that momentum. So that's definitely the biggest struggle is just getting yourself to do it. And once they start, I mean, it's amazing. I'll have members like, Oh my gosh, you know, I'm so overwhelmed. And then once they start, they'll message me, Oh my gosh, you know, I did my 15 minutes and now I'm doing 30 and 45, you know, because they, they feel more motivated once they've actually taken the time, you know, to Mm -hmm. dig in and do it. Um, and then as far as the actual clutter hotspots itself, toys is a big one with moms because there's just never a shortage of toys in the house. Um, and we talked about that last month inside of the society. Um, and then the second one would probably, probably be the closet with clothes. I mean, especially for women who love to shop. I mean, you know, she is like, guys, she is nailing it on every level. I that's for sure. I mean, for me with the kids and the toys, it's like, but what if they want to play with it again in six months? Yep. Or what if I fit into this again in six months right. or have a reason for me? And it's like all those. And you know, what's really funny is, um, this is the like minutes is, uh, this was years ago. I wrote a blog post called my 20 minute trick. Because I literally hate cleaning, like hate it to my core. It is when Brian and I got a house cleaner, it like saved our marriage because he is super neat and super clean. And I am just not, I mean, I don't, I'm not gross. Okay. I'm like, I just want to preface it. I just hate it. But what I used to do is I'd set a timer and I would just, I would clean balls to the wall for 20 minutes. And then as soon as that 20 minutes was done, I was done. And if I didn't finish, I didn't finish. It didn't matter because I did the 20 minutes. But, um, that mindset, uh, is, I think is a big thing and the all or nothing, because I have like tried cleaning out my closet and I'm like, I'm doing it all today and it's going to take me 17 hours and that I'm never touching it again. (laughs) 
Right. And I think it can be an emotional thing too. Well, really anything, but toys can be emotional. You know, maybe they're, you know, baby toys or baby clothes or your own clothes, especially as a mom, your body's changing, you know, and it can be a very emotional experience, which, which is why it can feel so hard to get rid of it. Cause at the end of the day, it's just jeans, right. But it's because there's that emotion attached that makes it so challenging. Yeah. Uh, I had a really hard time. I, I mean, how many sessions did I do Courtney? Like probably five run throughs of my closet. Now I had a unique situation because we downsized and we live in an RV now. So I literally got rid of probably 80% of everything I owned. And I didn't have a huge, um, a huge problem with getting rid of my physical, like my decor and, you know, things like that. But my clothes have always been such a trigger for me because I, I was the, I'm the fourth of seven kids and I only had hand-me-downs, right? So the moment I had money to my name, that's what I did was go and buy clothes. And I love clothes. Um, I also kind of hoard them. Um, not in like a gross hoarders TV show way in a we're like, gross, okay, we're not. Yeah, we're not gross, you guys, <laughs> but like in a very actually meticulous organized, um, my closet was color coded. Um, it, and it ran out of room very quickly, but like I would keep things forever. I have a, I still have a tank top that I actually love to wear that I bought the year after I graduated high school. I bought it in 2010. Are we the same person? Because I literally am the same way with clothes. I have a color corded closet, color coordinated, but it is jam packed. And I have clothes that I bought in college, like, and I am very old. So Mm Yeah. And it's just like, it. there's emotions attached to them for me. And I'm an Enneagram too. So I'm very sentimental, right? It's like, well, I bought this on that trip and it, you know, probably hasn't fit me in years, but it might one day, you know? And when we came back and cleaned out our storage unit here in Washington, um, I just literally, I didn't even want to look at the clothes because none of them are in style, right? Right. Got these little American Eagle or Hollister khaki shorts that are this big. And I'm like, I wanted to keep them. And I was like, for what? I'm almost 31 years old. You wouldn't catch me dead wearing this. Like nobody needs to see that. Even if I got skinny enough to put my booty into those again, it it wouldn't be good. And like, what am I going to wear them with? Like a layering tank top and a Henley button down? Like what? The what? <laughs> A Hollister graphic (laughs) So what I did was I actually just didn't even allow myself to look at them. I had two dressers full of clothes, Courtney, that were very neatly like, um, you know, the military fold, Chaz folded them up all military style. So I just grabbed them up and put them in the donate bags. I didn't even look because I would have been like, I wore this on the the night that I got my first kiss or something stupid like that. This is the shirt I wore to my graduation or, you know, whatever. And I'm just like, I, I don't need that. Um, Courtney, one time when I was moving, I had like, I didn't really declutter my bags. I didn't get rid of my bags. I love bags. I don't use them. So we'll just say that. And so she texts me, I text her a picture. I was like, look, I got all my bags in one tote. Aren't you proud of me? She goes, use one, take a picture with it. Use it. You won't. <laughs> she knows you. That was her, her 
her way of telling me to get rid of all of them. And I was like, I have this, this like scarcity mindset around my bags where, um, if I use them, they're going to get ruined and I can't replace them. And, you know, bags are kind of like a novelty thing like that. So I did keep my bags, but I was able to get rid of a lot of clothes, but it did take five runs in over like probably two, two months time through my closet to get rid of everything. And I still kept way too much. <laughs> and that's a good idea though, because that's a, that's exactly what you do. Like you continually go through it, right? It's not like a one time, you know, you do it and then you're done for the year. So that's a great example of like, continue, you do a little bit and then you go back in and you see what else you can get rid of and you keep doing that. Yeah. <laughs> so if you guys are members of content and connection and you have it or content and connection, we're going to call it that forever, Maria. <laughs> CNC. If you're members of CNC, the Clarity Co., um, you may have already caught that Courtney was our first guest of the year. Um, she's chatting about digital decluttering. And so if you want to give just a few little things like that, that you're talking about in that class, because by the time this airs, that will already be up and recorded for the replay. So if you haven't caught it yet, I really want to make sure that you go back and do that because we, we intentionally did our first month of the year with digital, digital decluttering, because we have so many people with like messy desktops, apps all over their phones. Like it is just a mess. And if you are a business owner and you can't relate to that, I am like envious of you. Right. Yeah. But like the moment I declutter my desktop, it just gets, it's got screenshots everywhere, all over it. (laughs) My husband literally cannot handle looking at my screen. He's like, (laughs) how do you see or find anything? And I'm like, that is a good question. (laughs) Right. So a little tease for this workshop, Courtney, if you haven't yet watched that, what can they expect from the workshop, Courtney? Yeah. So we'll talk about how to declutter your phone in just 10 minutes a day, because we all know we're always on our phones and it can feel like a lot. So we'll do a little challenge. Uh, Then we'll talk about three steps to a clutter-free inbox, which I think all of us need. Um, And then we'll talk about some simple desktop organization tips for the busy entrepreneur, which I'm sure all of us are. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, that is exciting. I can't wait to to go through that. And then we're each going to have some work to do afterwards. So, all right. Any last tips or questions before we sign off? No, but thanks for having me. This was fun. Thanks, thanks for so much on here and being our first guest. Yeah. We, we are going to have guests kind of sprinkled throughout and we're so excited that this was the first one of the, not only the year, but of this podcast at, at all ever. ever. So Super excited to to have you here with us on the podcast as well as a guest in the community. And um just so excited for the rest of your journey, Courtney. Like it has been such a like a pleasure to be part of it. And I've gotten to see so many seasons of your life. And I'm just like, I mean, in awe of the of the amazing progress you've made, of the attitude you've kept, of all the things. So I'm super proud of you, girlfriend. You are going to kill it in your year two of your membership and you're just getting started. So 
Thank you guys so much for tuning in and we will catch you back here next week and hope you guys have a rest, a great rest of your month. If you haven't checked out the current events going on for the Clarity Co, check us out on Instagram at theclarity.co and see what we're, what we have going on this month. We'd love to see you at an event. Um, third Thursday of the month is the kind of open event schedule. So check it out. If you're not a member yet, we would love to invite you into that and we'll talk to you soon. Bye. Bye.